0: This is Self-Work, and I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford. At Self-Work, we discuss psychological and emotional issues and what you can do about them, whether that's self-acceptance, taking action, or changing your attitude. Eight years ago, I extended the walls of my practice to reach those of you who might already be knowledgeable about mental health treatment, but also to those of you who might say you've never darkened the door of a therapist, and yet you're here. I'll answer your questions while I invite you to take a few minutes for your own self-work.
1: When you keep at something, you start to figure out where your lane is. Sure. And I knew I had this space of kind of like celebrating the underdog kind of quality of motherhood Mm -hmm. because a lot of times we celebrate those stories. Those are the movies we love. And so many moms have come to me feeling like they weren't enough or loving what I would write, but saying, you know, I love it, but I'm just not feeling that. And I thought, all right, what's the antidote to that?
0: Welcome to this week's edition of Self-Work. Rachel Marie Martin, our guest on Self-Work today, is a mom, (laughs) but she's also someone who believes in the power of the human spirit to overcome, thrive, and find deep joy And so to honor that and reflect her beliefs, she's the writer behind the site FindingJoy.net, the author of The Brave Art of Motherhood that came out in 2018. And she has a new book, Mom Enough, inspiring letters for the wonderfully exhausting but totally normal days of motherhood. And boy, do we all get that if you're a mom. Not that you dads out there can't feel that way too, but this book was just written for moms. In her latest book, she writes letters to mom about different things that can happen in motherhood and the way you feel. And she wants to give you hope and inspiration and permission to struggle. Because as I said in this interview, there's nothing more ambiguous than parenthood. It can take years for you to know how it's really going to quote-unquote turn out. Her content's been featured in the Huffington Post, the Today Show, Tiny Buddha, John Tesh, Motherly, Parents, What to Expect, a whole bunch of things. And she was a lovely, lovely guest. We had a lot of laughs and find out that we have a couple of things in common. And I just loved her whole outlook and what she wants to offer to moms and entrepreneurs. Before we get to the interview, here's 2024's offer from AG1. If you're a long-time listener, you might know I've been drinking AG1 for at least four years. When I started drinking AG1 daily, I could feel such a difference in my stamina. And when I would forget it on trips, which they have travel packs, so there's no excuse, I'm very aware of that lack of stamina. I recommend AG1 to my family and friends. And even my husband, who usually swears all things like this, has started drinking AG1. And he always tells me, as do my friends who are drinking it, That they feel like they're getting the nutrients their body craves. That's because AG1 is a foundational nutrition supplement that supports your body's universal needs like gut optimization, stress management, and immune support. Since 2010, AG1 has led the future of foundational nutrition, continuously refining their formula to create a smarter, better way to elevate your baseline health. So get your free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash self That's drinkag1.com slash self I promise you, you're going to feel better. So sit back and relax or whatever you do when you're listening to self-work. And I want to introduce you to Rachel Marie Martin. So tell me how you got started with, you know, finding joy and writing books and sort of becoming a a mom guru, so to speak. Okay.
1: I started writing when I was really young, uh, but I didn't know it. You know, Uh like sometimes you get like little kind of glimpses of who you are. And I actually started writing online in Yahoo Groups way back in 2000s. And uh when I did the Yahoo Groups, I wrote there, this, there came this thing where everyone's like, well, you should do a blog. That's the birth Mm -hmm. of the blogs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, I'll start it. Cause people, cause you would just write these kind of long form content in Yahoo groups. I had all these groups I was in and um, I started writing it and people said, well, start a blog. And I did, I just thought, okay, I'm going to do that. Went to blogger, started a blog sure, and didn't know exactly what I was going to write about, but thought I have something to say. And I just started writing and through the years, it kind of evolved into what Finding Joy is now. Uh, It's a lot of my own stories, but also these like lessons that I think I've gleaned, and I know I've gleaned over the years, especially watching, kind of being an early adopter of social media and the internet, Mm -hmm. and seeing Mm -hmm. the the shift and how motherhood has changed a lot. I always think even of my first was born, 1996, and there was really no internet to keep up with then. It was just oh, Family no, no. Fun Magazine. Yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. And that was enough. I messed up then Women's too. World.
0: Women's right. World is out there. Right.
1: Parents Magazine. Yep. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, and then it just kind of morphed and, into what it is now where I, when you keep at something, you start to figure out where your lane is. Sure. And I knew I had this space of kind of like, celebrating the underdog kind of quality of motherhood, because mm-hmm. a lot of times we celebrate those stories. Those are the movies we love. And so many moms would come to me feeling like they weren't enough or loving what I would write, but saying, you know, I love it, but I'm just not feeling that. And I thought, all right, what's the antidote to that? And then I I devoted my my writing to that.
0: Well, you really talk a lot about encouraging stay-at-home moms or even moms in general to 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 not be so well, of course, we both are very interested in perfectionism, but <laughs> not so perfectionistic, but also to realize what an ambiguous my my term for it with my own patients is you know parenting is probably the most ambiguous <laughs> uh, you know activity we have in our entire lives because it takes twenty five years or thirty years to determine you know what the byproduct or what the product is going to be, and so <laughs> You know, you really—I mean, what else would we do in our lives that would take us twenty-five years to determine?
1: You know, right with yeah. a completely uh, independent variable. That's the other exactly. thing I always think with children—they're de- they're their own variable—and like in my case, or if you, they're all independent variables, you can do one with one and doesn't work with the next
0: no it doesn't no in fact I think there was one time you said oh I didn't count on my children having free will right
1: <laughs> that is true that I mean you just kind of because there's so much advice there's so much there's so much goodness out there and you could try everything right but that free will when if it fights back or pushes back it's what I learned is it's a lot of instead of powering over kind of coming underneath them how can I support you? How can I help you? How can we do this journey and walk together without squishing and squashing who they are?
0: Yeah, I, I, I because no, no mother is, is like any other and we're all unique and that kind of thing. I'm, I remember when my son was about, he was still in a, he was still in the back. So I'm not sure how, mm-hmm. uh, cause he was in a car seat of some kind. And I said, Mom, I mean, he said, Rob, what's it like for, to have a mom that works for a salary and he said and not a stay-at-home goes mom that's all i've known <laughs>
1: so isn't that out of the, the bed, truth
0: yeah yes. out of the mouths of of you know children come a lot of wisdom um so you wrote also that you had gone through a divorce and you'd been a mm-hmm. single mom mm-hmm. how much of that did you share publicly or what, what of what of all that well, did you, did you open up about
1: I did. I did partially because I started writing online in two thousand seven. Two thousand eight was when mm-hmm. the blog started, and then it morphed. And I went through my divorce and separation in twenty thirteen, ah, and okay. I had developed a readership and people, and I couldn't write what I couldn't share the the parts of my story without stating something has happened in my life, uh, sure. specifically because. I write about being authentic and not wearing the I was called them the masks before the whole 2020 thing came about but like the masks that we would wear like the idea like I'm going to I'm going to look like I have it all together but underneath I'm struggling. And there came a point where I realized you know I I I can't preach or talk about being authentic and then be incongruent in my own story right so i i shared about it my part of it not the kids part of it Mm -hmm. but my my story with it and what it was like and um it kind of came to a head one point because i'm my husband and i are pretty tech savvy and one of the things with each website is you can see like what people searched on your website and i remember looking up uh one of the top searches was divorce and they're trying to figure out what happened.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: so I created a page with the keywords that specifically said the word divorce, that if you searched it, you, it would, it actually said, congratulations, <laughs> you found it, <laughs> you've been looking for. <laughs> and then I just kind of spelled out a little bit of it, but then I said, but you know, the details, those are just mine that, but mm-hmm. you can have this part of it to know that I'm walking this path.
0: I think that that is really hard to do. I, I've talked about my own anxiety disorder and my history of anorexia and my my former marriages, and I remember making the choice to do that mm-hmm. while also having this little bit of fear, especially about the panic attacks, that, you know, how are you giving us advice when you have this panic disorder that you haven't fixed yet? Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know and it was a real challenge and yet like you I have had people get back with me and say this is one of the reasons why I do tune into you or I'm interested in what you have to say because you can be transparent about yourself.
1: I think it's a great gift for people especially watching social media happen because I've dealt with anxiety and I've written about that what it's like and I've struggled with the same thing how can I write about it if I'm not fixed Mm -hmm. and I started to realize that. Women really need to have somebody that they know gets it, that's in that spot, that understands it. And I also understood that some of the stuff that I've written about, some of the stuff that's in both of my books, I couldn't write it now the way I wrote it when I was in that spot. I would have the perspective looking back, but not the perspective of being in it. Right, And there's something vulnerable. And there's something where people go, okay, those words are something somebody would say. That gets it. it's yeah. not me going, you know this is what you should do. it's like no, no i I was in that spot in the trenches, right,
0: right. that's so what do you find that people that that stay at home moms or working moms without a salary is what I like to say uh, <laughs> or or working moms with a salary um what What do they turn to you mostly for? What are you? What's the, like, on my page, I get a lot of views about a host I did on Borderline Mothers, um, mm-hmm. Mothers with Borderline Personality Disorder. What are people searching for in 2023, now almost 2024?
1: I would say uh right now it's how to get that fire back in your life, the spark, like really stepping into who you're created to be and what you want to be, uh, like no longer denying it, but they kind of know like, wow, I don't know who I am anymore, or I don't know how to start, or I don't know how to be happy.
0: You mean stepping back after they have reared their children or? uh,
1: Yeah, or even in the midst, kind Mm -hmm. of in the midst. And Mm -hmm. I found in my own story, it wasn't until... My youngest was maybe five or six when all of a sudden I had this little bit of space where I'm not keeping someone alive all the time anymore. <laughs> and I shared my own journey of realizing I'm a really good mom, but I'm not that happy. And that resonated. That was in like 2016. And then it kind of, it's continued uh, like, what, what makes me happy? What is the part that fuels me? Who, who is I? Like, what's next? I think that's what people are coming to me right now is like, how do I figure out what's next? What do, do you, I do Do you think now?
0: moms feel guilty or ashamed that they haven't been completely filled up by being a mom?
1: I do. I think that the guilt is, it's there. Like we struggle with the guilt. Like if I go to yoga class, I'm not home doing some a craft. Or if I do, there's just, there's a give and take. It's that ebb and flow. Like somehow in our brains... I think that we have this idea like I should be able to do everything yoga play every, everything's organized do elf on the shelf do all this stuff and it's impossible like again the variable that we all share that it's a constant is time we only have the same we all have the same allotted amount of time mm-hmm. but social media doesn't uh doesn't illuminate or doesn't give like uh, boundaries of time you could look at social media and think I should do all this stuff. It's all a requirement. And it's but it's beyond the capacity of all of our time, pretty much. So the guilt I think comes in in looking and going, Well, I should do that versus going, you know what, I I could do that. I don't have to do that.
0: I love your word requirement. It's a requirement, it's criteria for being a good mom. Mm-hmm. You know, being a good mom equals A, B, C, D, rather mm-hmm. than saying, you know, you can be a good mom in a lot of ways. And So, you know, you can be, your children can see a lot of things in you that are, that they want to model themselves after as your, 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 whoever, whatever gender your children are or choose to be. So that's, that's really honest, um, good information. Um, what, what has being an advice giver or a, or a solace giver or a, um, a supporter of these women. Um, wh- how has that changed you? How, that, how has that grown you? How has that changed you?
1: Well, I love this question. I actually love it because not many people have asked that. And I appreciate that question because there Oops. is a lot of, um, there's a lot of personal change with it. There's a lot of responsibility to me with it. It's the responsibility to live what I write to not just be like oh that's i could just write that or just give that but to be authentic and for me it's making sure that i take care of myself when you had said uh the part about what your children model after i think that's a huge priority in fact i know it's a huge priority for them to see me taking care of myself not to say mom was a great mom but she was really unhappy all these years but mom was a great mom, she played piano, she ran, she did all these other things so that they can see that facet of myself. And so as I've lived, I was called a semi-private public life. Um, (laughs) As I've lived that, (laughs) I've felt that responsibility that I need to be congruent in that way. The greatest compliment I ever get is when I meet people out of the blue, uh, when they say, you're exactly who I thought you would be, that there's this congruency between what I write and what I live. Hmm.
0: So let's talk about perfectionism a little bit.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: what do you think, Where my take on on perfectionism, at least the destructive kind of perfectionism, mm-hmm. and for me, there's a difference between constructive perfectionism and destructive perfectionism, uh, is that a lot of that is born in a childhood of abuse or trauma, or just simply having a family that never allows you to talk about what's really going on with you. I mean, there are lots of roads to Rome. but I wonder when you say perfectionism, what kind of, what are you talking about? Because you talk about letting go of perfectionism.
1: For me, it's uh, not needing to have everything. Let's like giving myself grace is what it is ultimately mm-hmm. to make a mistake to forget something, to allow the kids to be who they need to be, to not have all the ducks in a row. I tend to, for perfect, perfectionism for me, tends to be something that takes its root in worry. I worry, I'll worry that I didn't get this done. I'll worry about the grades. I'll worry about all this other stuff. And I'll spend so much time worrying that I'm not existing in the present moment. Mm-hmm. So perfectionism, it's about going, it's, it's okay that, I made that mistake or my daughter. I have a daughter uh, named Grace. And one time she taught me, um, a great lesson about it. She said, mom, you know, a 93 A and a 99% A on my transcript are the same. And I was like, Oh, Grace, Grace, <laughs> like, and so there's a lot of truth to that. There's like this idea that we have to get it right on the dot. And instead it's like, you know what? No, I can, I can be in this space and I can. I can love myself for doing my best. And it's not about going and saying, I'm not going to try. And, and it's not about being lazy. It's about doing my best and being okay with my my efforts.
0: Well, when I hear worry and perfectionism talked about, I th- I think that there's a worry and a need for control go hand in mm-hmm. hand. And that a lot of times that is showing you know because if you're needing to look in control, it probably has to do with having emotions that you don't want anyone to see or having memories even that you don't, and so you you're operating from shame and you're operating from guilt rather than operating what you're talking about with the mm-hmm. in 93 is just the same as a 99 is that there's just sort of this process orientation that there's a i'm i'm wanting to do well because it's part of who i am it comes from mm-hmm. inside of me rather than i need to look in control i need to worry i need to make sure that i'm that i'm seen as being in control is not born from internally it's born from what's going on you know, the kind of experience that you had as a child that you've brought into your adulthood. That right. sort of your perfectionism is more of a camouflage mm-hmm. for hiding these insecurities and this trauma that may be present and looking for your attention.
1: Yeah, I would completely agree. I even think back to uh, what I looked at with my, in my first marriage, it was mm-hmm. a lot of control. It was a lot of appearing from the outside. Like people were shocked When I, when I kind of peeled back the layers, Mm -hmm. but it was a lot of appearing, like I had it together. I had it together because there was shame. Like, how could I not have it together? How could I not be that spot? So for me, it is control. Um, It's a lot of, and I know that like this year has been a season of me noticing, like Mm. noticing my responses, noticing my, how I respond, noticing uh, how I, how my body handles something or I deal with it. Uh, for example, I tend to not be the most patient person. I tend to. <laughs> and I share that. Yeah. I, I, I just not <laughs> like I, I, my kids know it. They'll tell stories about it. Like I even joke about it. They're like, I bet you're going to talk about that. And so this holiday season, this past one, I decided I'm going to, I'm going to work on patience. and I have the biggest like, I think the universe knows like, oh, she's working on patience. Let's (laughs) test her out. So I I went to Hobby Lobby, which is already, according to my husband, the first exercise in patience Is I went there and uh, I went to get some stuff for a party and I chose the wrong line. Like I I just chose poorly, which is for me, I immediately felt this aggravation and I was, I was amazed at how quickly that arose. So I thought, you know what? This is my season of patience. I'm just going to stay in line. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and the, everybody else has gone and I'm still standing there. And the, the lane next to me opens up and I, I turn around and the lady behind me goes, you should go. And again, the universe was like, you are going to be tested. Cause I look at her mm-hmm. and she's got a two-year-old that's like in her car kind of flipping around. And I thought, no, no, ma'am, you need to go first. Cause you have that two-year-old and I let her go. And she, she left and, but finally, I ended up leaving, and I thought it was a good example of noticing. Because and maybe I
0: picked the right line for what I needed to learn. <laughs> right,
1: right, exactly. I had a great conversation with the lady that rung me up, and I realized, you know what? That five extra minutes didn't change anything for me, and I don't need to allow aggravation, frustration, even the feeling of like, it was shocking to me thinking, I had this feeling of I lost. Everyone's looking and thinking, wow, she chose the wrong lane. Yeah. And that <laughs> awareness cares. too. Right, <laughs> right. Exactly. So I think the noticing part's powerful. I notice it with the perfectionism. Like I noticed it with uh impatience, like that there was a physical response almost immediately. And I thought, huh, ah, that happens even before I'm frustrated as I get that kind of like, <gasps> feeling so well, noticing what, what a
0: wonderful story you know I <laughs> where I shop mostly it's a grocery store and there's an there's a woman she's probably about my age I was about to call her an older woman but she's young young much. yes <laughs> and she was she's slower she's just a little mm-hmm. slower and at first I found myself well, I'm not gonna get in her lane in a minute. and then I started going in her lane mm-hmm. I love her today mm-hmm. I was there this morning she was dressed up like an elf you know I love that he mm-hmm. is <laughs> so are, you know, she's just so friendly. And I, I've gotten to where I don't care, you know, because like mm-hmm. I say, for me too, I'm, I'm always into time management, time management, you know, right kind of stuff that's ridiculous. Um, so you also mentioned that you're a stepmom now. I am. And I think being a step parent is one of the hardest things in the world. So how have you, do you, do you write about that? Have you, how have you managed that?
1: I haven't as much. I've written a little bit about it, uh, partially because I have this deep mm-hmm. respect for my kids' digital footprints. Yeah, so yeah, I'm yeah. like, okay, how am I going to write about, if it if it's about me, uh, that part? And I, I, it's easier nice. for me right now to talk about it in some ways. I haven't figured out the words exactly, but I would say I would agree with you. It's an unbelievably... Challenging experience. It's wonderful at the same time, but there is this Mm -hmm. challenging experience of recognizing, trying to figure out how I fit. And I've never really had that with my, my own, my biological kids. Like, how do I fit? How do I respond? How do, what's the boundaries that I have the kind of spot Mm -hmm. to say something? And what's the boundaries when I defer to my husband or what's the boundaries Mm -hmm. where I just need to let it go? And I have a wonderful counselor that I work with. And I, I mean I, I'm i proud to say that I go and see her once good a month. For you. And good for you. And and we work on that. We just talk about it. Like what's the and that to me has been the most powerful thing because instead of just stuffing it in, oh, I don't know, I don't know. And 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 it just building up like the impatience, it allows me to to kind of process it and realize, okay, I have a choice in that situation. I have a choice to allow it to irritate me or a choice to Maybe go outside and and weed my garden. <laughs> so we have a very well weeded. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, well, yes. I, and
0: I also greatly respect the idea that you're being respectful of your stepchildren's or your children's um, mm-hmm. lives and the fact that you can't write about things. I remember whenever I would write about my mom or my dad, who actually died about 16 years ago now, but I would always run it by my my brothers because it, Mm -hmm. you know, it was, it was, it's their territory as well. Mm -hmm. And if they weren't, you know, if if they weren't okay with it and actually they were, I mean, I never wrote anything that they had a problem with, but it was, it was, it was, it was was a choice that I tried to keep in mind and especially with children. You're right.
1: Yeah. It's, it's been interesting to watch that uh, evolution in digital media as well especially going back 10 years ago, 12 Mm -hmm. years ago, when bloggers at that point were, they were the primary influencer. They created the market for influencers in some way. And it was Mm -hmm. interesting to watch everybody try to navigate that space of what to do because advertisers realized that the blogger had more power than a commercial at
0: Mm -hmm. that point Mm
1: -hmm. and just figuring out the boundaries and, and moving. And I, I'm, I'm always one to say, Everybody, well, most people do the best that they can in the situation that they were in at that moment. It's easy to look back and go, what, what were you thinking? But when you're in that spot, even as a parent, mm-hmm. I made the best decision I could in that moment. Now, progress and time, I can look back and go, you know what? I probably, probably would change how I responded or I probably would do a different thing. But that person there isn't the person I am now. And I think to me, in some ways, that's what wisdom is. And yeah. that's why, you know, you know like, I, I know that no matter what I would say to my kids now, that you sometimes in life, you have to go through the experience to actually understand the, the oh, next I
0: step. That's <laughs> very, that's very meaningful to hear and I'm sure your kids have appreciated it and and like you said that's the only thing you can model for them and I remember my son knew that I had created a bunch of chaos in my life in my 20s I mean a whole bunch mm-hmm. and um, he made a, a bad mistake in college and he called me and and um, told me about it and at first I had a mom response which oh right <laughs> you know this and then I he goes but mom I told you about it because I know you've made the same mistake and I went Oh, that's right. Right. Let me approach this a bit differently, <laughs> you know, and we had a great conversation about it. Um, so I, I do think that that kind of sense of acknowledging your own vulnerabilities and being transparent about that in an age appropriate way mm-hmm. is very helpful for your kids. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about mental illness a little bit. Okay. Because I now I only read or look l- through mom enough. i read about half of it, I guess. I don't. As I read it I thought so what if you're a mom who's trying to struggle with depression or bipolar illness or panic disorder or social anxiety or whatever or personality disorder even I mean is is that just not your audience I I think I came to the idea of is it's not that you're not talking to those people but at the same time it's um it's not something you you mentioned. You know, if this gets too, or I didn't see it where you mentioned mm-hmm. it. You know, if this gets, if your frustration gets too bad, if it turns into anger, if it, if you're, you know, if if you this sense of low self esteem and not feeling, you know, if, if this gets too heavy for you, then you need professional. You're you're in therapy yourself, so I know you. It sounds like you believe in that, but how do you handle that when? Maybe you're getting questions from people who are dealing more with with mental issues, mental health issues.
1: I always, always refer them. I, I tell them I'm I'm, I'm, not, the, I'm not the end I'm not the end-all with that. And if you need help, there's no shame in it. And that I that's why I share my own stories of sure. anxiety and that I I I see a counselor and and that I wouldn't be Ashamed of if there was a path I needed to take with it, because mm-hmm. I really believe in mental health, there's a stigma of shame and that shame keeps everybody small. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want anybody to know all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I want to remove the layer of shame. That being said, that, that isn't what I primarily, primarily write about. And there's a couple of reasons because people will ask me, could you write about a letter to uh, my friend whose child just died? Or could you write about that? Or, And I always come back with no, because I don't have that personal experience. This is, I will refer them on to somebody that does have it, but it would be, I wouldn't be doing them a disservice if I understood what it was like to experience that because I haven't walked it. And I I, I give the example of my youngest has celiac disease. I will write about that. that. I will Mm -hmm. write about what it's like to raise a child or to navigate that world or the doctors because I get it. But I won't write about the other stuff because I don't have that deep insight. And sure. for me to say no to saying to writing it is not like um, it's more out of respect for the other person. I don't want to assume that I know the answers. So mm-hmm. with mental health mm-hmm. and all of that, I'll write about my experiences with anxiety. And if someone comes to me, I get a lot of messages. I'm always I start like, listen, this is just my experience, but I'm not a doctor. I say I tell them that. And please, if you need help, please reach out. Yeah, well, that's please what you're modeling. Help.
0: That's really all you can do is to model when I'm right. when I'm overwhelmed or when I'm looking for answers. I go to someone who may have them, may not have them, but I'm going to, you know, I'm going to open myself up to another perspective. What
1: kind of anxiety
0: right. do you have?
1: Do you know what? I don't know if anyone's ever asked me that. I've just dealt with since I got divorced um, anxiety, like that type where I just start to get worrying. It's more the the kind of the spiral where Mm. I become a little bit obsessive thinking about things like over, like wondering, wondering, and I know it, I know. Okay. That started. You kind of get in that cycle. Mm. Yep. I don't need to go down that path of that, the worrying it's. And I I look back as me as a child. And I, I just, my parents would joke, like if there was something that could be worried about, she would worry about it. And I remember um, my dad would be, always be like, well, you know, it says not to worry. And, For me, turning off that, I didn't realize that I had the capability to not step into it, to observe it and go, you know what, Mm -hmm. I don't need to go into that worry. Mm -hmm. I don't Mm -hmm. need to deal. And my husband now, he's so good because he'll tell me, you know. Worry about it if you need to after. You're worrying about a hypothetical that might not even happen. Exactly. And that to me is so good. It's such good. I,
0: I think what you're pointing out is so many people think of worry as constructive, that it's mm-hmm. the same thing as uh problem solving or creative uh, creative thinking. And mm-hmm. yet worry has its real um it does have a, a cyclical kind of nature to it and and it can build on itself and especially if it's irrational worry. Now some worry is you know, I remember I had a patient one time and she, her husband always told her she was worrying about too much, worrying about too much. And she did have some worries that were irrational. There was no doubt about it. But they went on a picnic with their kids mm-hmm. and another family. And they were, um, they were putting a hammock over this fairly stony kind of area. On the picnic ground, and she kept herself from saying anything because she thought, "Oh, I'm going to be the spoil sport. I'm going to say, you know, that's not a great place to put a hammock." Right. Well, sure enough, one of the kids got on the hammock, fell, uh-huh. busted their lip open and their face open. They had to pack everything up, get him to the ER. You know, it was because he had to have stitches. And her husband looked at her and said, "You know, sometimes you need to speak up because your worry is actually you're you're more vigilant than some of us are about that." Uh-huh. Kind of thing. And she she got that because of a lot of trauma in her lifetime, but um so it's you know some worry can be constructed, but so much of it, like you say when you when you go down these rabbit holes and you obsess and obsess and obs- obsess and obsess, then it's not very helpful so I loved this chapter in Mom Enough, where you talked about being fearless mm-hmm. and that's one of the words that I really like um and I like it because I think the the people that have their act together will say fearlessness is not the act of fear; it's not the lack of fear. Right. It's about acknowledging your fear and then having the courage to keep on going. Right. And so I was most um, I was really interested in you know they see where they stood up, not where they fell. Um, but that's a uh, Oh, uh, Nelson Mandela. Mm-hmm. I, I, I sound like a person who remembers quotes and I'm not.
1: <laughs> Nelson
0: Nelson Mandela said, I've often quoted him. it said, if you're going to admire me, don't admire me for the times, for my accomplishments. Admire me for the many times I've been pushed down and gotten back up. So exactly. Right. Say, yeah. Fearless people focus on the good. They know their kids will make mistakes. They are real. They learn. They do versus just talk. They do not forget themselves. This chapter on fearlessness. They know it takes a village. It was really powerful, I thought,
1: so I love that this word fearless, just like you were saying. Mm-hmm. I, I love it because so often in my own life, what's on the opposite side of fear is something that i it's been the best thing. It's this space that, if I had allowed the fear to to overtake, that I wouldn't have experienced. And there was a time when one of my kids said to me, you know, mom, you have a quote that says, do one thing every day that scares you. Mm-hmm. And you also have that, which is that paraphrase of Eleanor Roosevelt. And then I also had one that says, do one thing every day that makes you happy. And <laughs> all of a sudden goes? I realized <laughs> hmm, so often on the other side of fear is this happiness part. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that you're like, I don't have any fear. Like you were saying, it's more acknowledging it. I'm nervous about this. I'm I'm afraid about this. I don't know what's going to happen and recognizing, you know what, I have the capability to get through it. I I tell moms all the time, your track record for your bad days is 100%. You've always gotten through, and you've gotten that story. And remember, in the beginning of the podcast, I was saying, like, I think underdog stories, we watch them on on television, Mm -hmm. and we all have the underdog stories. And the power of the underdog is we celebrate the moment where they stepped through the fear they dealt with the fear they did what they needed to do and accomplish things
0: well i think it's a beautiful book it's called mom enough um this is rachel marie martin and you have another book your first book was called
1: it's the brave art of motherhood
0: the brave art of motherhood
1: yeah and, and it's how about can fighting people- fear <laughs>
0: ah, really
1: yeah and how can people get in
0: touch with you where do they find you
1: uh, they can find me at Facebook. That's most people find me there. It's a Finding Joy blog. Uh, mm-hmm. you can, you'll you'll find my yeah. face there. And and
0: even a million followers. I don't know. I looked at it this morning and went,
1: whoa. I do. We ha- there's a- about 1.1 million people, which oh, I am a lot. just honored about. I will tell you, going back to the fear thing, my very first quote ever that I wrote on Facebook was, I think I'm going to give this Facebook thing a try. First <laughs> thing I wrote for that page And I'll tell you to this day, like, you just don't know. And if you say, I don't understand it, I don't get it, it's too hard. You just, you might be stopping yourself from the greatest thing that could ever happen. And I'm just humbled by that, by the group of women and people that are there. Otherwise, people can find me at findingjoy.net. That's the website I started (laughs) 13 years ago.
0: Well, it's, it's, I'm so glad you're on self work and I know my, my listeners will benefit from you and you have a wonderful book and a wonderful Facebook account or Facebook page. And thank you so much for being here, Rachel.
1: I am super honored to talk with you. I, I really enjoyed the questions that you asked today. I loved the dialogue that we had and you got me thinking. So thank you. Well, I I looked at the ones your publicity people sent. I said, those are not questions that I would ask. <laughs> no, I love the ones that I love the ones that you asked. I appreciate that so much. So thank you.
0: You're welcome. I'm inviting you here in 2024 to send me your messages and comments at AskDrMargaret at com. You can email me those, or of course, you can use the SpeakPipe option, which I'd love to hear it in your own voice. You can find the SpeakPipe app in your show notes today, or you can go to DrMargaretRutherford.com, and it's right there. It says, Record Message for Podcast. You know, I'm sure a lot of your holidays weren't exactly the best, or the most exciting, or the most meaningful, and maybe you need to vent a little bit to me and share your experiences with others. You know, one of the gifts of doing that is to realize you are far from alone in the way you feel. So I'll hope to hear from you soon. You can also join my Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash self-work, where we have about 3,800 people now who are members of the group from all over the world, and they give great, great support and offer friendship. That's facebook.com slash groups slash self-work. Again, thank you for being here. Please share the show with people that mean something to you so they can become a listener as well. Take good care of yourself, your family, and your community. I'm Dr. Margaret, and this has been Self Work.